0: You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a podcast supported by listeners like you. To contribute, visit patreon.com slash I Have Some Notes.
1: Okay, what do you think of this? Uh, A Star Wars story
2: by Zack Snyder. (laughs) No thanks. We have enough problems with the Star Wars IP. Getting that guy involved isn't going to help. Whatever, I'm, we're just going to do it anyway. Go for it. In fact, I have some notes that might be useful. Save it. Zach won't listen to him anyway. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies. I'm your host Liam Kreswick. I'm Scotty Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver, and today we are discussing Rebel Moon colon part one dash a child of fire. Um, so <laughs> yeah, far, no, I'm in no it has punctuation, great punctuation for
1: Indiana Jones. so You got all your yeah. punctuation for <laughs> Rebel Moon.
2: Yeah,
0: it's all here. It's my favorite part of this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh this is one of our closest to the movie dropping records we've ever done. I, I would hey, suspect
2: yeah. it's probably the most cuz we
1: Uh no, we did do the mummy like right after we recorded right after we watched it. I think that's the Oh nice. But okay. I don't
0: <laughs> but I don't know that we watched it opening night.
2: Oh sure. No, no we didn't. We didn't do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. So okay, this, so this one's
2: record from release to record, but not from watch to record. All right. No. <laughs> uh
0: yeah, this cuz uh at time of recording Rebel Moon came out about 24 hours ago. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: 25 hours ago. Okay. Almost to the dot. <laughs> yep.
2: Um, and what a 25-hour it's been. I've, I've been counting my life pre and post Rebel Moon, colon, part one, dash a Child of Fire.
1: Um, yeah. Hey, before we get into this clearly bad movie, uh, can I talk about uh, a good movie I watched recently? Sure. W- which sure, is uh, a little film called Spirit of the Season. And I, we saw it uh, with Liam at the Metro Theater in Edmonton. And Liam is a co-writer, and it was fantastic. Well, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, thank you. And thanks for coming out. Yeah, it was um, it was funny. It was uh, it had you know heart and everything. And um, yeah, it was it, 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 anybody who starts a movie and finishes a movie uh, that is like its own type of miracle. Right. So congratulations on that. Nice. Zach and I have that in common. Yeah, that's but right. No, it, <laughs> it,
2: it was a it was a real joy seeing the movie that um, my friends and I wrote. Um, the debutants, uh, specifically friends of the pod, uh, Robin Slack and Lane Anderson, as well as, uh, the very talented Glenna show and Glenna Showalter, Um, uh, also friend of the pod, uh, Dave, basically the only writer who hasn't been on the podcast is Dave. Um, <laughs> we can uh, remedy that anytime we like. Perhaps. Um, he's, he's on a video game podcast all the time. He doesn't need extra attention. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no
1: more credits. No more credits for Dave.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but it was just a joy seeing it up on screen and having an audience react to it, like giving the laughs, giving the gasps. Um, just very, It's so satisfying. To, yeah.
1: yeah, Yeah, the audience was really receptive to it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
2: So. I'm
0: sorry I couldn't make it out. That's right. It will be He's- on
2: demand eventually.
0: <laughs> yeah. As usual, I'm the one who uh, couldn't make it to the thing. <laughs> uh, just the way my life's been the last little while. But uh, I'm glad that it was good, and I do look forward to seeing it in time. Indeed.
2: Yeah. Follow uh, spirit of the season on any of our socials for updates on when that'll have a wider release. Um, speaking of wide release, this Netflix movie that we watched, uh, <laughs> the widest release. Yeah. was <laughs> everyone's homes at eight o'clock. Uh, uh, yeah I, I started it right at eight because we were just ready for movie night and uh you guys joined shortly after so even though we weren't able to gather in person because that was the plan we were gonna watch this all together um just couldn't make it happen uh but we did watch it kind of in live chat with each other and that was that was a lot of fun
0: um yeah, yeah. liam was only about like what 20 minutes ahead of us I think but and yeah. then i I like
2: to stop the movie and go pee and get snacks and smoke yeah, and stuff so. we yeah. and we all wrapped though, it up by last the last act time. it
1: was all even yeah I, yeah I feel like in terms of plot you were right there with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from, the, from about the 20 minute mark, uh, we were in lockstep with each other in terms of yeah.
2: what was actually happening in the movie. My slow mo scene would end as yours began. It Correct. Was fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- so of course, this movie was directed by the infamous Zack Snyder, uh, written by Zack Snyder and Kurt Johnstead, uh, of 300 and Atomic Blonde fame, and Shay Hatton. Um, and then, of course, uh, inspired by the works of Star Wars, Dune, Warhammer, Harry Potter, Avatar, uh, Dungeons even, and
0: Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> she she was
2: dressed like Ripley for a good
0: chunk of the movie. Like mm-hmm. a dude, yeah. a dude flies a griffin. Like an actual yeah. griffin. <laughs> and some of the aliens are just orcs, right? Like they're orcs yeah. from space? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you
2: had commented one of them looked like the orcs from Farscape. I had never seen Farscape, but I have seen Doctor Who,
0: and the spider lady looks like a Doctor Who villain. Oh, no, uh, sorry, there was a blue lady in the cantina who looked like a character from Farscape.
1: Yeah, oh, okay. I, was, I was commenting that the orcs looked like the orcs from Bright.
0: Yeah, mm. kind of.
1: They probably had that makeup, those <laughs> – Well, yeah, you know, like Netflix production. Sitting, sitting around
2: and – yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, And this cast list, uh, it's just so jam-packed. I'm going to make Scott uh, say all these names I'll mispronounce.
0: So. <laughs>
2: yeah, right. You're up, Scott. All right. It's, Sof-
1: uh, <laughs> it's
0: Sophia Butella as Cora. Uh, Jimon Hansu as Titus. Ed Screen as Atticus Noble. Michael Heisman as Gunner. Bayduna Duna as Nemesis. Ray Fisher as Bloodax. Got Charlie Hunnam as Kai. Anthony Hopkins as Jimmy. It is a stacked cast. Mm-hmm. It is it is an embarrassment of riches.
2: <laughs> I feel like we should let this movie speak for itself before we get into it because I'm I'm just bursting to to uh, really get into what what was going on with this because what what a spectacle it it was it was not a memorable movie but it was a memorable movie watching experience so uh, let's get the audience up to speed so they can join us.
0: When I found you in the wreckage of that ship, I considered leaving you. I was afraid you could bring trouble to us. What do you think they want?
2: We're just farmers. We're not a threat. They won't just kill us, will they?
0: You're delusional. You think those soldiers will show them mercy? Assassination! The galaxy is thrust into chaos when the King of the Motherworld and his daughter, the Princess Issa, are publicly killed in a coup by the treacherous Senator Belisarius. Declaring himself regent, he dispatches his military to reassert the Motherworld's dominance across the galaxy. Meanwhile, on the remote planet of Velt, former Imperium soldier Cora enjoys a peaceful farming life when Admiral Noble's dreadnought appears in the sky. He demands the village provide his army with grain to fuel their conquests, but the village leader refuses, explaining they have no reserves. Another ambitious farmer, Gunnar, refutes Sindri's claim, leading to Noble murdering the town leader. Knowing the mother World's ambitions well and the suffering they intend to inflict, Korra decides to leave. But in true Zack Snyder fashion, she spots a group of soldiers planning sexual violence against a young village girl and decides to murder everyone instead. Korra promises the villagers she will assemble a band of super warriors to defend their way of life, including recruiting the great General Titus. So, she does that. One of her recruits betrays her to Noble, and the team is captured. They are saved by Gunner, and Noble has a Disney villain death. The team then returns to Velt to begin preparations to defend their home.
1: Yeah. So, the bulk of that plot summary is the first 20 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. The last two paragraphs are the two hours of movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and no joke, like what I wrote in the last two paragraphs is pretty much all that happens for the last 80 minutes. Kinda.
2: Yeah. I not only is it staggering that a significant chunk of this movie is her just going from random cool looking D and D party hero asking them to join her cause. And then them doing that after showcasing their skills uh, fighting some arbitrary thing or doing some arbitrary trial or task. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's very silly how it's just one after the other after the other with no conflict. But that is probably going to be well discussed as, as from both us and anyone else who reviews this movie. What I found baffling was that they left a bunch of characters behind. They already had the (laughs) beginnings of a cool party and they just left them behind. The little girl with the water who was getting assaulted does have like a whole moment where she like talks about what's important to her and is like, Yeah. Like you kind of get a moment invested with her and you get a moment invested with this like talking robot with free will and a flower crown. And then those two characters are just left on the planet
0: <laughs> not there's a third character too because uh one of the soldiers the newest soldier a private is right. idealistic and he stands up to the rest of the squad when they're going right. to assault the girl and he's the only one who survives he's just also never seen or heard from yeah I, I, there's a great you know
2: fascist turncoat kid a real a real um you know whatever the guy the star wars guy the stormtrooper who you know Takes his mask off. Finn? Um, Finn. There you go. Took me a minute. Um, Yeah, we got a Finn type. We got a talking robot. We got a precious little girl. Beginning of a perfectly good adventuring party. Uh, And they are just abandoned to go get the
0: coolest dudes. And here's the kicker on that. When they get back to Velt at the end of the movie – in the final shot, you see the robot, like, rise up out of the grass with a spear and, like, antlers. And it's like, what was he up to while we were gone? I want to <laughs> see was that movie. A riot. When, off screen, this
2: guy was having his own cool movie. Like, a real Lion
0: King one and a half situation. Like... <laughs> yeah, there's, I, like, a whole movie missing here.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I assume, uh, I mean, maybe it's too much to assume that we'll get to understand what those antlers were all about in part two, maybe,
0: maybe. <laughs> who knows. Uh-huh.
1: I don't know if I have that much confidence in the, uh, in Zack Snyder and his team. Yeah. Uh,
2: What did, what did we enjoy about this? Cause our, our letterbox ratings actually had a nice uh, uh, breadth between the three of us. So um, any, anything in particular uh, that we wanted to highlight
0: just to start off, it is a pretty movie to look at. Like Zack Snyder, say what you will about him as a storyteller, the dude can the dude can make a cool image, and there are cool images all over this movie. The production design is pretty good, all things considered, especially considering the the somewhat limited budget they were working with. Um, the uh, The world building in that first twenty minutes is pretty solid. I thought um, the characters all look very impressive, even if they're not very deep or interesting. Um. Yeah. It's it's a very good looking movie.
1: Yeah. There was a there's a moment where um the robot is he he gets his face plunged down into the dirt and has to go wash himself off and the the scene of him washing his his face is uh, as far as the animation goes excellent. Mm-hmm. Um. And I have a feeling that it's kind of a combination of um practical. Uh, it might be just like a guy in a suit washing his face and they're using all the, all the water from that, but that's the smartest way to do it. Cause it looked completely convincing. It was a very good yeah. shot. Um,
2: yeah, I found the first scene when the, the, the space fascists, the not empire <clears throat> rolls up onto the planet and, uh, Atticus Noble is, is big dogging all of them as only an intimidating Nazi allegory can, uh, and I was like, "I'm like, oh, this actually has some genuine tension. Maybe, maybe this movie isn't going to be nonsense. This is this is genuinely a tense and well played out scene." Um, I liked that first twenty minutes.
0: We all liked I, that I, first. A hundred
1: percent. Yeah, I was I was thinking uh, in the back of my mind, I was like, somehow this is going to go wrong, but the, you know. <laughs> it was it's it's set up it's uh the stakes very well we got um as scott pointed out many times like some really great uh world building uh, and the introduction to the villain uh was genuinely terrifying and uh his his method for um getting what he wants from people um was brutal uh in in a very um Almost R-rated fashion, uh, which mm-hmm. makes me understand why there's probably an R-rated cut sitting around somewhere, because I'm sure that his his beating of people down with a big bone cane was uh, would be much more violent in an R-rated setting. But yeah, like I, I, I was I was completely on board. I mean, it, it's not like it was perfect. Like, it, you know, some of the exposition was clunky and this and that but generally for um sci-fi i'm willing to forgive a lot and i was completely on board and i was ready to see what was next and then yeah and then
2: we got to the rest of it unfortunately um yeah that's that's fair i i don't know that i necessarily agree with scott that it's a gorgeous looking movie or a pretty one because it i saw someone describe it as desktop wallpaper (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. It it's got a weird artificial sheen to it that all of his stuff does, but it's really obvious here. And I, I I I inter. It was an interesting looking movie, and the production design was definitely good. But I don't know that it had that like whoa like epic. What am I looking at? Vibe that some of his other stuff does, like kind of fake. It's definitely,
1: I'm, I'm thinking of the scenes with Cora. Uh, Sophia Batella in front of uh, you know planting and then there's like this backdrop of like uh kind of a Saturn-ish type planet in the yeah. back in the background and like that I assume that that's the planet that their moon is orbiting but like mm-hmm. it really looked like uh it kind of looked more like a map painting than a well put together uh c- you know CG shot um, yeah, y- yeah yeah so you can, l- you can see the earth and you can see the green screen. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. I think, it, it, I mean, it's something that we talked about in the indie one, where it just maybe had too many digital pr- brushes applied to it. It just didn't. Yeah, kind of dipped
0: uh, into unlike, the uncanny valley. Unlike Indiana Jones, though, that's the aesthetic that I kind of am just primed mm-hmm. to expect from a Zack Snyder movie. So maybe I'm being a little more uh, lenient with it here because it's it's not outside of my expectation for how a Zack Snyder movie should look, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm willing to just kind of like buy it. Valid uh, for yeah. sure.
2: I just I don't think it, regardless of his aesthetic, I don't think it looks as good as some of his other movies.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's I think that's where I'm at. Like I, I, it was kind of like a weird mix of his like earlier like 300 stuff and and like his later much more gritty grounded Man of Steel stuff. You know, um, it, like I don't I don't know that I felt like the whole movie came together with one true um
0: visual tone if that makes any sense it, it is tonally all over the place it's also paced really weird mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like yeah yeah uh,
1: yeah speaking just just purely on the visuals i just feel mm. like there was something that was kind of inconsistent throughout the yeah. movie and I, it's hard to exactly <laughs> put my finger on it but like yeah the, the
0: And there was, and like, I I do say that it's, that there are a lot of gorgeous shots in the movie, but like, there are also places where it's just confused nonsense. Like (laughs) during, during the climax, all three of us commented that we had no idea where anyone was or what was happening Mm -hmm. because it was just chaos on the screen. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I'm not trying to put you on blast for like in the, the visuals, because that's one of those parts of this movie where if someone was like, I really liked how it looked, I could be like, I can see that. But when I s- saw, you know, people praising the movie in reviews and be like, I really liked the plot and the characters in the end. It's like, what are you talking about? What movie did you see? Um, so liking how it looks is a totally valid take. Um, everything else I question, <clears throat> some of you are
0: the royal you, not you, Scott, like people's um, <laughs> takeaway. Um, what it, what was it? They're looking for a movie, you know, admittedly of the three of us, I rated this movie, the kindest on Letterboxd. <laughs> uh, anyway, but,
2: generous. I think is a good way to put but it. But as,
0: as I said to Anita, like I didn't hate this movie. Hate is way too strong a word for my, for a- any opinion on this film. <laughs> um, but I certainly didn't love it. I just, there were parts of it that I liked and it was fine. As far as I'm concerned, like, it was fine. It was very forgettable. It wasn't particularly deep. It wasn't super yeah. interesting. Like it was. It was just fine.
1: I think overall, I just felt let down because the opening scene or opening act was so well put together. Like it was slow and deliberate, and and like it 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 had a good pace to it, and I really thought it was gonna build to something fun. <laughs> Um, silly me <laughs> for trusting anything. Um, yeah, yeah so yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I, if I can describe it as, as being fine because I felt so, um, bored by the last bit of it or the, or the last most of it, I guess is the best way to put it. It just, it, it really, I was really struggling to hold my attention because, um, each subsequent, new hero character that they were introducing. Like I like they were doing it in such a way that was like not really all that fun, not interesting. Um th- not organic like, is how no, describe
2: described. No. The, very it inorganic. Is, it is four or five long ass scenes of them going to meet mm. the coolest dude ever and then going to meet us a, a different version of the coolest dude ever.
0: The the coolest dude on that
2: planet. <clears throat> and they, on and that they planet do, yeah. yeah.
1: None of them have except for um, Titus, none of them really offer any resistance to joining this uh, uh, band of people who are gonna go up against I mean like I don't know, it feels like a suicide mission essentially and like' they just kind of like hop along, especially uh, Bay Dunas. Character who just mm-hmm. like they don't even mention it seems like, hey, do you want to <laughs> do you want to join this band of warriors? They she's she, the scene with her ends, and then the next scene uh is Sofia Batella talking to someone, and the only reason you know that sh- that uh that her character had joined the party is that she's walking around in the background of the <laughs> ship.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of connective tissue missing in this movie, yeah. and that's, that's- good, yeah. That's the one thing that makes me actually angry about this film is that they they specifically released a movie that was chopped up to hell so that they could engineer a Snyder Cut down the way. And that's like a AAA game studio rushing out a game and then just being like, we'll fix it with DLC and we'll yeah. make it play and it'll be yeah. playable in a year. And I actively hate that. Like that <laughs> is such a that is such a terrible way to release a movie. And I, I believe in our group chat, I said it felt like a ripoff.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say that that's probably allegedly that they've done that. I mean, it's I, I know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of noise out there that that's that's the case, and it kind of I, I mean I think there's direct quotes from uh, Zach Schneider that at least imply that that's the case, but I don't yeah. I just I just want to say allegedly because I don't Fair know you know that for
0: sure. If if that is the case, though. Uh, especially because if this wasn't like DC lo- like looming over Zack Snyder and doing whatever they wanted with his movie after he was done with it. He had total control here. He could have released a five-hour movie. Netflix was not going to stop him. <sighs> um, he could have absolutely released a, uh, like a four-hour R-rated film, and it would have been fine. He had... He had the editorial control here, and he just chose to release a sloppy edit so that he could release a director's cut down the road. If that is the case, actually kind of angry about that.
2: Fair. I I would suspect it is – it weirdly is Netflix. I would blame marketers, not necessarily Zack Snyder, or Zack Snyder willing to participate with marketers. I I don't know that he would be that – craven where it's like I I could see them being like part of the hook of this guy is you get this second Snyder cut vibe out of him he comes with two movies Um, I I think like even
1: because that is the quote from him where he's where he's talking about there's a there's a four hour R rated cut of it and I like I think that in and of itself puts me in a bad mood because it does all does immediately suggest that there's like a, a cut that already exists that um, more closely aligns to
0: his vision. It's and he's released the movie. He's released the movie in early access, and yeah. in a year yeah. it will be watchable. And I that is a terrible way to run a movie business. No, and, and like, and and I think it was Tack on
1: on Twitter that that said that he's not not interested in in investing another four hours in his Axe Snyder cut. And I don't feel like anybody should. I, I feel yeah. like as as a collective movie going group, we should all say no to this kind of like cynical way
0: of, of uh, cutting movies like there's. I don't, I don't want to see a two hour trailer for your four hour movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Like you, if you release a bad version of your movie, that's the bad version that I'm going to criticize that I'm not, I'm (laughs) not waiting for the
2: update. What makes this even more egregious is that this is also one of those movies. They split into two parts. So, yeah. it's like, is the other half of the movie the part two, or is the other half of the movie all the stuff you cut? Is yeah. There, are there four Are there four <laughs> parts to this movie? The, the first cut, the second cut, part one, and the first cut and the second cut, oh, part yeah. two. You're thinking the thing, I, like, think it's, I think it's the latter. Good you know? Lord.
1: Yeah, yeah that's- I think it was like, yeah. They're doing a Lord of the Rings extended cut kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but they're- Which- <laughs> but, but they're the movie they're has engineering to be good. It. <laughs> yeah, they're, and and with Lord of the Rings, like they they cut it down to make it theatrically viable. Yeah, <laughs> they just had all this additional material, and it was so good and so popular that they were like, all right, we'll do an extended cut. Yeah. With the Snyder cut, it was because he had his artistic vision ripped away from him, and it was an opportunity for him to rectify that. So I, I can at least respect that. But this mm-hmm. just seems if if this is true, it's so cynical. This has the same hubris as
2: the dark universe of them being like, we're going to launch a cinematic universe and it's going to be great. This is them being like, we're going to launch a Snyder cut thing and a um, extended cut multi-part like Lord of the Rings thing. And the dummies out there will just eat it up. Yeah, they're trying to force that the way they tried to force the dark universe, and it's like no, you—the thing has to be at least good first to yeah. then start trying to pull that taffy. Like, yeah, mm. yeah, I, I, it's it's bonkers
1: to me that you wouldn't release the, the the Snyder cut, the best version of the film that you thought you had.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, strange. And, and how it, funny and would it be if think- they did release the Snyder cut and everyone's <laughs> like, mm, "Can we get the studio cut, please?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can- <laughs>
1: But like, this, this movie does feel like there's, um, I don't know if I want to say missing scenes, but it does feel like. Like something got left in the cutting room floor. And I, I have to assume that it's all the characterization of all the heroes that they pick up because there's almost nothing to it. I don't even think yeah, they, they talk to each other.
0: Yeah. No, they they pick the heroes up and then they basically don't really do anything except stand around for most of the rest of the movie no. and then shoot a couple guns during the climax. No. The only yeah.
2: interpersonal conflict is early on the old guy telling her not to run away from Planet Belt. That is the only interpersonal friction between yeah. any characters that aren't clearly protest that are that isn't physical. They're, it's the only friction that isn't explored or resolved with physical violence. There's yeah.
0: there's a little bit of early tension with Charlie Hunnam's character, but that's quickly that's quickly like passed by, and that's yeah. just to plant the seeds for the later development. For sure, um, yeah. That's pretty much it, though. And yeah, like and like um
1: Gunner's character has like an interesting setup because he's his kind of hubris um uh, leads directly to uh the what do they call him the father uh, of the village yeah. uh, to that guy to their leader's death right um and it, he does uh he he, do, he is kind of like a sibling coward throughout and then he f- he does find his
0: courage at the end of the movie but like he saves that girl during the spider fight too. Oh right. So I, I mean, he does. That. He does start to show the beginnings of courage.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm of, a, yeah. He's kind of the only one with an arc. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well,
1: that's what I'm saying. It's like he does. He he does have an arc, but it's still like not developed
0: enough. I felt to mm-hmm. feel satisfying. Oh. Well, and and Sophia Batella is the protagonist, and she has no arc. Yeah. 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 She starts and ends the movie as the same character. Yeah. Uh, she had her arc before the start of the movie.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I guess she has like a tiny, teeny, tiny one when she wants to leave and get away from uh, the the Mother Earth military. Uh, and then she decides not to. But like that happens in the span of about um Three minutes or four minutes of the movie, so it's not
2: really an arc. (laughs) So much as not just like one. No, that's a call. You're confusing it with a call to adventure. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) She refuses the call, and then she answers the call, and then yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. (laughs) That's the only thing I can extrapolate. Is like that. That is her arcs slash call to adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I also think there's uh, a lot we can fix about this and we we definitely have thoughts so let's uh go to our fixes
1: what's up nerds this is josh from talking smack where we talk superheroes movies animation comics and so much more every week we break down the latest blockbuster movies tv shows revisit comic events we even talk to comic creators like kyle higgins melissa flores and matt groom and don't miss out on our superhero showdown episodes where we debate your suggestions on who would win in a fight or maybe they might become friends. So join in on the conversation with me, Josh, and my co-host, Alex, every Wednesday on your podcatcher of choice. Look for our yellow and red icon, and we'll see you soon, smackheads.
2: Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're going to fix Rebel Moon. Hopefully.
1: Hopefully. <laughs> I think
2: we can. Um, I've got a pretty big swing, so I want to hear from you guys first, because my 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 pitch can go over top of whatever you guys pitch.
0: Sure. Uh, well, I have a largely structural fix that I think I I could open with, sure. because this movie doesn't feel complete to me in in the sense that it doesn't feel like a complete story to me. It feels like like there is a beginning, there is a climax, but the narrative feels unfinished. It really does feel like part one of a two part story, and to me, a good. A good movie, even in parts, should still have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It should feel mm-hmm. like uh, its entire self-contained thing that is part of an overarching thing. Um, and I feel like there's a way to fix that. And that is at the beginning of the movie when uh, when is like, look, we need to get some dudes to Seven Samurai this village for us. I know a guy. There's this exiled general. If we could get our hands on him, like he could potentially swing the odds in our favor and that's kind of the main guy that they're pointed at like it's like okay we need to get a hold of the rebels cuz they know where this guy is along the way we pick up a couple other guys who are like super cool fighters because they could help us out too and then we get to the general and then there's still so much movie left um and the and the stuff with picking up the general is the most truncated Part of the movie, yeah. like, yeah. like they set up that, like, we're going to go. We learn that he's fighting in a gladiatorial pit. Like he's this shamed general in exile who rose up previously against the the mother planet. And it, they they meet him drunk in a gutter. He takes a bath and he's on board like that. He doesn't is- even <laughs> take a whole
2: bath. He doesn't. And robot gives him a half a bath.
0: And talk about like we're going to the fireworks factory. (laughs) We we learn he's a gladiatorial fighter, and we go to the gladiatorial planet, and we don't see any fighting. Yeah. So it's wild to me
1: that we get like a twenty minute. Griffin scene, but we don't yeah. get to see him in the
0: gladiatorial arena. <laughs> my f- my feeling here is that that's the arc of this of this movie is mm-hmm. we need to go get Obi-Wan. Let's go get Obi-Wan. And so the whole movie builds up to them getting to the Gladiatory planet, meeting up with the general, him being reticent to join up with them because he's already led a band to disaster and he doesn't want to do it again. And that's where Kai springs his trap because now he's got the general and everybody else in the same place. So that's where they get betrayed. That's where Noble confronts them. And then we get a sweet action set piece at the gladiatorial arena that, that, bookends the movie and that's the big climax that's the third act set Mm -hmm. piece and then from there that's the end of the movie we've we've got him on board we had the kick-ass fight we Disney villain death noble so that he can come back in the next movie and that to me feels like it would have been a much more satisfying arc for the narrative of this film so I think Mm -hmm. if you just cut off the weird smuggler planet bit at the end have the whole like action the climax Happen at the gladi- gladiator pits right there. The movie's tighter and it has yeah. a better narrative trajectory.
1: Yeah, I, I I feel like I can I can build on that Scott because um, I I do think that that would be uh, that would be a much tighter film and I, I and I do agree with you entirely that it should it should end with them meeting the the general that they're after. Um, if yeah. I may
2: I thought the 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 final act set piece was going to be something at the gladiator arena. The way <laughs> So did I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um
1: and I was I was thinking that like rather than have um them go from like one place to the next collecting superheroes um in, in increasingly boring ways um that Maybe instead you can have Charlie Hunnam's character Kai, like he has kind of like, uh, like a smuggling team.
0: He has like his crew.
1: Yeah, and he has like a crew, and they all have like we get to as we adventure, you know, trying to find uh our way uh, to the general. We get to we get to know this sort of like rogues gallery of characters who all have their different reasons for why they're kind of in the crime scene and why they hate, uh, the Imperium and the, and mother, uh, the mother
0: planet itself, the mother world. Yeah.
1: Yeah. mother The mother world. And that leads to the betrayal by Charlie Hunnam, where he, he betrays not only the group, but, uh, Titus himself. And that, suddenly is a step too far because that's not what they signed up for. They hate uh, the mother world. And and that's when they kind of complete oh, their yeah. journey in becoming yeah. part of the team.
0: Yeah. And that, that actually uh, solves the problem of some character development too, because over the course of their journey to go find – to meet the rebels and then find the general – Korra can have moments where she gets to interact with these people, they get to develop as characters, we get to learn about them more, and that then they earn that, like, we're not with that guy anymore, when Kai, like, uh, double-crosses everybody to the Imperium.
2: Yeah, and he doesn't. I mean, he part of his whole thing is he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna get all these different disparate people with bounties on their head." But like he says it himself, getting Cora and Titus is plenty. So that's he, the mother
0: load for him. That's yeah, his,
2: so he can be like, "Hey, my my smuggler crew, I sold out Cora and Titus," and they're like, "No, we're not down with that. Fuck you. Yeah, um, we're going to be Greg. rich yeah.
0: forever." And they're like, "You've gone to well, not just them, but also the the rebel leader because they'll have yeah. picked up the rebel leader at that point." Right.
1: I, I I have um I have one more thought that might fix Korra a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this weaves in perfectly or not, but what if instead of her plan is to, to gather together heroes to fight the Imperium, which actually kind of seems like weird because like, it seems so hopeless because they're such a, (laughs) they seem to be like such a big force. Like what if, what if her plan is actually to like gather the, the essentials that she needs to uh, help them escape to like a far off reaches of the galaxy like she's actually like she's actually trying to like I mean maybe that's why they approach the the smuggler in the first place so that like she has like this arc where she she comes to towards the end she comes to a, a place where she wants to she decides that it's that they need to fight back rather than run.
0: I kind of like that because that builds off of her initial character reaction yeah. at the beginning, which is to escape. Except it grows to okay, well th- now we all need to escape, but we're going to yeah. need like we're going to need ships, we're going to need help. I we can I know this general guy who might be able to help organize such a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it could still it could still work and and that does like her learning to want to fight again could kind of be her arc. Yeah. Yeah. And being like maybe we have a chance to actually stand up to these guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and you could give um, Diamond Hansu like a like an opportunity to have like some kind of inspiring speech as this great general that sort of like <laughs> brings everyone together at some
2: point. It would be know? great if that character did literally anything. Yeah, any it? one thing.
0: <laughs> Damn. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, yeah. I like your ending too better, Scott, than the the brief little one. Of, one of my like lesser pitches was to change the ending because I didn't like that it was on this weird smuggler outpost. <clears throat> and my theory is they only did that so that they could have it be rainy and dark and have them f- on that little floating buoy thing, which again, that was that whole final fight. The cl- was very hard to tell geographically. Um And I leaned over to Amanda. I'm like, are they fighting on a hot air balloon? Like why? What are they? <laughs> it's just a platform floating in space. Like, you know, smash brothers. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think they just did that so that his betrayal happens somewhere rainy and gnarly to have a final boss fight. Um, I, I like what you said better, Scott. I think it should, it should be at the uh, Coliseum. Glad it's,
0: yeah. The but my picks. other,
2: the backup pitch, if for some reason that's not viable was have it on Velt. Cause their whole thing is like, I'm gathering these heroes to get this dreadnought to leave Velt alone. And my pitch to sort of make this feel like a a contained story was for her to more or less succeed in doing that by gathering these people, telling the Dreadnought to fuck off. It does with a real like fist shaking, we'll be back. And she inadvertently, you know, what was meant to be just this one and done, get off my planet. She inadvertently sparks
0: a rebellion. a rebellion. I think that's the thrust of the like, honestly, I think that's the thrust of the narrative here. Yeah. is that what starts as a little seven samurai in a village turns into a rebellion against the galactic empire yeah, yeah. um but it, the movie doesn't go far enough in that direction but, yeah, and they, it, and it also doesn't feel like developed. it's going to happen
1: organically either because they're yeah. like they're straight up telling you that like we're going gra- to we're going to gather like seven people and then defeat a giant army and that just doesn't seem realistic to me. Yeah. So the, the way that we're pitching this <laughs> sort of like a slower buildup makes way more sense to me.
2: There was such a baffling line at the end when he's like, this looks like a, they, they, so like they fight on the, the outpost, they win the day. They go back to Velt. The dreadnought has left off screen. Um, and then this guy's like, wow, it's a beautiful planet. I would have really liked to have died in battle here. Too bad the battle didn't happen. Like a character literally says, <laughs> too bad the battle didn't happen here. And I was like, yeah, I agree. Too bad the battle didn't happen here. When is Calculon getting to the fireworks? Battle? <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, but I, I think Gladiator is is stronger than Velt, but definitely yeah, both I, better than than air, hot air balloon buoy for in the sure. middle of and- nowhere.
0: And I'm okay with them not having the seven samurai fight in this movie. I'm okay with that. But Mm, so long as this movie still has a satisfying end point and them stating at the beginning, we're going to go get General Titus and it ending with them recruiting General Titus to me, there's your first movie. Like that works. Yeah. We've got the general. We're going to go back to Velt movie two. We're going to go kick some ass in Velt. Like that's, that's where Mm. we're going next. Yeah. I'm down with that.
2: Uh. So so my big fix here, the the thing I had, like we've said, this didn't have a lot of connective tissue. Uh, A lot of stuff doesn't happen organically. It's a lot of just like on to the next thing, on to the next thing. There's no friction. There's no interpersonal connection. And that's a drag. Um, That should just be in the movie. And I feel like that's the stuff they cut out to sell us the Snyder Cut, which is also a drag. Um, But even what we get, I found the dialogue abhorrent. In this movie, the like the plot could use some massaging, but technically makes sense in a start to finish kind of way. The dialogue specifically, the words used to communicate that plot suck so, so hard. (laughs) There are so many cringy, obvious underwritten lines that that I just I can't believe like it doesn't even reek of like a first draft. It reeks of a like. A a child wrote it like it's just it's really, really clunky, obvious dialogue with a lot of telling and not showing, Um, which is weird because Zack Snyder loves to show us things. He's all about showing. Um, So if I was actually giving notes on this movie, I would take a copy of the script script and a red pen and I would rewrite a bunch of the dialogue to not be cliched and subtextualist sub subtextless and mm-hmm. bland and boring and broad and stupid. That well, would be what I would do. I, I, in chat, I think at one point I
1: had said that Sophia Batella was just explaining, it was just reading her character sheet.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you this. So, you know who I am. This is yep. my After history. And this is what I'm all about. So, so I would love to just redo the dialogue. Let me, you guys, anyone with a high school education could <laughs> rewrite <laughs> this movie. But that's not, doesn't make for good podcasting to, to, I don't have a copy of the script in front of me. So my pitch, this dialogue is so bad, cut it all entirely. (laughs) I think this movie, the plot is simple enough and Zack Snyder prides himself on communicating big visual ideas that you could probably get away with this having no dialogue. (laughs)
0: So you're you're proposing like the Mad Max Fury Road uh silent black and white version of this movie?
2: Yeah, I mean I've never seen it but I that sounds cool. <laughs> Does it work? Does Mad Max black and white work without dialogue? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Not, then, I mean Fury Road's a perfect movie as it is, but it 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 is so dynamic and the action is so big and so obvious mm-hmm. that you don't need the, and the characters don't even say much in the movie as it is mm-hmm. that, that you don't really need what little they say to have the movie just completely convey its meaning to you, Sick. Then, yeah, uh, which whether is, it's- which is actually a testament to George Miller's direction mm-hmm, in that movie. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's because you're saying the dialogue is so bad. You might as well just throw it out anyway. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah and I think whether it's the movie as it is now with the dialogue taken out or your guys's better plot fixes that you've pitched. I think you could do it without dialogue and it forces showing not telling because there's a lot of telling in this movie and not a lot of showing. It would force the the people making it, not just Zach, but everyone involved, to have to show. Uh and I think it would make this otherwise bare bones and derivative plot work because we're filling in those blanks with our own imagination. Um, yeah. Uh, short of being allowed to just cross stuff out and write it better. Cut all the dialogue is my fix.
1: Derivative. I don't know where you got that from. <laughs> Could this movie yeah. be possibly derivative?
2: From? I, I, I'm glad you guys said it as well. Cause that, that scene with the, with the guy in the, the Griffin is like, I'm like, Oh, we're doing avatar now. <laughs> like we're <laughs> yeah. Baffling. Batman apparently, choice.
0: apparently they uh front-loaded this movie with a deal to make a role-playing setting based on it. Um <laughs> I I learned about this from a friend online uh this morning, and apparently that deal fell through and there's a lawsuit in the works about. it. Oh no. <laughs> uh which is interesting because I was like, yeah, this does read as someone's homebrew D&D campaign, like their homebrew space it, D&D campaign. I'm, I'm
2: glad you brought that up. Holy holy heck cuz A lot of people I've seen criticism being like, this is a real video game kind of plot. This to me felt like a session zero and a session one of a role playing game. We're going to have these little moments where we each little hero gets their moment to shine. And then we're going to have an inciting incident with the big bad in session one that will kick off the whole thing. This, this played like a session zero and session one of an RPG for sure. Kind of. Yeah,
0: for sure. 100%. And that also explains why there is a griffin and there are space orcs like. Yeah.
2: And now we go to the ranch with the griffin. Scott, what is your character doing? Are you <laughs> wrangling a griffin? Well, in servitude. Yeah. I'm going to roll and, my uh, animal handling. Uh, <laughs> Scott or, and Greg, Greg, when we meet your character, uh, you're in the middle of a fight with a big spider. Uh, can you tell us how that goes? Uh, any other things you'd like to, to see in this this flick?
0: More of that brain slug. That was the coolest alien in the entire movie.
2: Yes, agreed. That was very that that bit was fun. I also you said slug and it reminded me of slime because I love a slime tube. If you listen to Quantum Kickflip, you'll you'll know my affinity for slime tubes. Um, one of the other things I would change, regardless of what else happens in this movie, the scene at the end where we see uh, Admiral Noble regenerate in a tube, get some face time with the big big bad. And then go back out there to kick some ass. That should not have been at the end of this movie. It should have begin- been at the beginning of the, the next one. Oh, for sure. Um, it's it's exactly the kind of scene that kicks off a sequel. Like the bad guy dies at the end of the first one. And then at the beginning of the second one, you see him crawling out of his grave or whatever mm. contrived reason they bring Shredder back. Right.
0: Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, that yeah, he, that, even, it, he, he even has a Disney villain death. He falls from a great height into smoke. Like, yeah. <laughs> bring
2: him back in part two. Um, though maybe not because I did kind of like the scene of him regenerating. Cause I love slime tubes and that kind of weird shit. And if we put it in, uh, part two, I wouldn't see it. So, uh, maybe keep it in part one so that I can watch it. <laughs> <Did> it was <laughs> well, it Scott no way- that said it very, looked very demolition,
0: man. Presumably. <laughs> Uh, you would see the part two of our version of the movie though. So mm-hmm.
2: that's mm-hmm. right. Well, are you guys going to watch part two when it comes out?
0: I mean, probably, uh, in spite of myself, I, I will probably like maybe probably not day one, like we did for this one, but mm-hmm. no, yeah, I'll probably get around to seeing.
1: I guess the bigger question is, are we coming back
2: on the podcast <laughs> to, to do it? <laughs> oh, I thought right. the bigger well, question our- is, are you going to watch part two? Um, Scott says, yes. I say probably no, Greg. I would rather not <laughs> <laughs> if we do it for the podcast. But then also, are you going to watch the inevitable uh, director's cut?
0: Hell no, no, uh, not either. I'm torn. I, I don't. I don't want to out of like principle, but I am curious because I liked the movie just enough that I want to see what the the allegedly better version of it might have been. But fair, fair, know. fair. But I also don't want to reward that behavior. So yeah. I'm very yeah. Torn. yeah. So I'm very torn. And of course, uh, you,
2: our listeners had lots of thoughts. Thank you to everyone who contributed. Um, Not a lot of folks got to see this movie before we recorded our episode about it, because like we said, we're movies less than uh, two days old at this point. Uh, So we asked you about your favorite Zack Snyder movies. But before we get to that, um, or just your general comments on... Zack Snyder as a director. We did get one uh from Tack who was able to to uh, uh share his thoughts on this one specifically. Uh as well, written, well actually, sorry, before
1: oh. you Tac had told us that he was he was going to uh uh give us his guesses as yes, to what yeah. the fixes were gonna be.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is a shot in the dark. This yeah. is uh, a shot in the dark. Sorry, just because I said shot in the dark. One thing I did kind of like the laser guns in this seemed to make like lava when they shoot. And that was kind of cool. Instead of plasma. the like perfectly singed Star Wars holes, uh <sighs> it's it's kind of got this sloppy plasma lava. Kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um Tax says uh, as threatened here, are my uneducated blind fixes in case I don't get a chance to watch rebel scum. I mean, moon. Uh, one, play half of the slow-mo shots at
0: normal speed. That's a fair criticism of any <laughs> Zack Snyder <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that was low-hanging fruit. <laughs> uh,
2: two, the main henchman should have a change of heart and switch sides before the end.
0: I don't uh, know that that really works. Noble is such a di- – like, he's got such a punchable face.
2: Well, I mean, a character does that in the first five minutes, and then we never see them again.
0: Oh, that's true. That's fair. Yeah. 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 So,
2: <laughs> so it's kind of called shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the mentor figure should have lived even if they just pop up from the ground in a post credit scene.
0: There's no real mentor figure here. I suppose uh, the is it general the father is character? supposed I, No, he's just the village leader. Um, I, if, if anything, it's the guy who took her in. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. But he, but he lives. He does yeah. not die in this film. Um, so there you go.
2: Good, good fix yeah. tack, but did, well, I guess not a good fix. Cause they did that one. They saw that one coming and they were ready <laughs> for that one really controversial scene. Everyone is talking about. Maybe leave that as implied.
0: Yeah. Would that be the sexual assault?
2: Yeah. I <laughs> nailed that one.
0: Zach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> would you believe that there's needless
2: sexual assault in this Zack Snyder movie? Uh, five. The other slightly less controversial scene. Make it longer. Uh, I don't Is that, would, would
0: that be the weird sex scene with Admiral Noble on his ship? Where the tentacle yeah. monster is making love to <laughs>
1: there you go, yeah.
2: <laughs> Make it longer and creepier. <laughs> also, can I like so it's it's obvious um that they're doing a Star Wars thing because they've got a British white guy as as a villain. And that's uh, you know, Nazis are always British white dudes, and that's fine. Um, but also he is like kind of effeminate, and then he's also like fucking a tentacle at one point, and I'm a little over queer-coded villains, so like mm. He they, they did a he did a queer coded villain and that's you know. I don't that.
1: I don't know that he came off as effeminate to me to be honest. Um, oh
2: really? Not really. Okay, that's fair. Maybe I just how oh, I read
1: it. I just saw him as very. I, like, I, I'm not I'm not discounting your read on it. That's just how I felt about
2: it. Yeah. Um. I didn't. I didn't until he was lackadaisically bathing with a, a tentacle monster, mm. <laughs> and then I kind of was like, "Is this yeah." if not a queer coded thing a weird a weird sex thing the villain has weird sexual product the villain has weird sexual, pro- pro- sexual provocativities which is also how they used to how you make a queer coded villain so they were <laughs> happy were yeah on totally, that on totally
1: that fair yeah step
2: yeah six uh put an i want song a third of the way through the running time and that's the only lyrical song
0: I mean, if one of the characters is a bard, we're already doing a D&D party, then that makes perfect <laughs> sense to me. It would be it would be the guy who rode the Griffin, right? Like that's the guy. Yeah. Who'd uh, sing the song? Seven <laughs> says uh, Mark Hamill should have played the villain. I don't uh, think Mark Hamill has a punch in a bull enough face, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also uh, surprise he Carrie Elwiz is the king,
1: right? Have you seen the House of Fall of Usher? Not yet. Or the Fall of House Usher. It, like he's a villain in Usher's that movie and is. he Yes, sure. <laughs> he's uh, he's a villain in that, and he's fantastic. So I I think uh, I think he can I think he can kind of do anything. He's 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 a much more talented actor than uh, than maybe most give him credit for. Um, not that that's you're trying to underplay his talent, Scott. That's just yeah.
0: I just don't think he looks punchable enough like Admiral that's, Noble did. That's and funny. and I want to be clear. I'm not I'm not trying to dunk on Ed Screen. I think he's a very handsome man, but in this movie, the way he carries himself, the way he delivers yeah. his lines, like it's very calculated to make Noble very detestable, yeah. and he nails it.
1: <laughs> also, with apologies, his, his the cut of his face is
2: is like screams Nazi to me. <laughs> yeah, he's got that strong space Aryan chin. Yeah. Uh, I actually like tax last suggestion here, uh, cause it sort of ties into what would have been one of my fixes. If you guys didn't like my silent pitch, uh, he says, number eight, Harrison Ford should narrate the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> I was braced for you guys to be like, no, that somebody needs to talk. You can't have a movie with no talking. Um, if you absolutely <laughs> needed it, you could, I was going to pitch having gunner like old man gunner narrate significant chunks of the movie.
0: I mean they already have Robo Anthony Hopkins narrating the introduction. Yeah. And you that could have was- had him you could have had him doing the whole movie. Yeah. So as this and with the the framing device being him still still uh, alive as a robot centuries later recounting this time that he helped the Galactic Civil War. Like that yeah. I'd have by, I I 100% buy that as a framing device.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's really too bad we never see that robot again because apparently, yep. like, of all the derivative stuff in this movie, they, they the thing they stole from Dune is uh, a giant narrated info dump in the first five minutes and then never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the thing you take away from the Lynch Dune. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, our comments on just uh, Zack Snyder as a director. Uh, thank you to everyone who commented. Zolgar says, Zack Snyder is an amazing director for certain purposes. I believe he is at his best when he is working with original properties. And if he's working with existing IP, he should really only work on those that inherently support his style. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What would be a movie that supports Zack Snyder's style? Like an IP he could take on.
1: Like oh, like a an IP that he hasn't done before. Oh. But he hasn't done that.
2: He would actually
0: thrive at. Sorry to put you on the spot. Bear with me. I have I have a really dumb suggestion. Give him the ability to do a live action Hulk Hogan's Rock and Roll Wrestling, which is an '80s cartoon. Which was uh, about Hulk Hogan and his friends from who were wrestlers doing doing fun having fun adventures together. I think the level of macho involved in that <laughs> could work. That's stupid. Never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cut, cut that off. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It. I
1: got. I don't. I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> when Scott said that, I was like, I was like, give him Captain Planet because he he won't <laughs> everything he does he, like uh, like any kind of social commentary he tries to 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 communicate he does terribly and i would just love him to see him somehow screw up a climate change allegory <laughs> real bad yeah <laughs> here's
0: here's something you know you mentioned captain planet and that's kind of like an 80s cartoon and i think that he has the sensibilities of like an eighties cartoon. Like he likes the idea of like taking action figures and smashing them together. Give him GI Joe. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Zack Snyder could actually do a half decent GI Joe. Yeah.
2: Or like, Oh, give him, he should do street sharks. When they make a street sharks movie, he should do street sharks or biker mice from Mars. He could. Oh yeah, for sure. Those guys are
0: macho. They've got bikes. Yeah. I can see that.
2: Yeah. All you want from, yeah, Street Sharks is just muscly sharks wailing on each other. He, that's exactly what he's there for. He He's a commercial
0: director. They should be giving him toys. Like Kind of, yeah. He, and that's, with is- all due respect to Zack Snyder, like, I think that that's a milieu he would actually probably do pretty well in. Yeah. Give him He-Man. Yeah. Can you imagine a Zack Snyder He-Man? Oh, my God. That's, yeah, mm. exactly. That's, uh- a <laughs>
1: Because
2: <laughs> it doesn't have to be deep. He doesn't make deep movies, so give him the broadest, dumbest. Yeah, T man. There we
0: go. Who's I would. I would a hundred percent watch Zack Snyder's He Man for sure. Yeah.
2: Robin from Cinematological says Snyder is an extraordinary visualist who has a limited palette for who human beings are and what they can aspire to. <laughs> Randy, and I- Randy and ideology permeates his work in a way it permeates high school perspectives. High schoolers' perspectives. <laughs> So when he tries for heroic sacrifice, it comes off insincere. Yeah, 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 yeah. that is a hundred percent true, and also a, a vicious takedown. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, uh, He Man, you guys, <laughs> He Man. Uh, Robin Slack, a friend of the show, podcast guest uh, of note, and screenwriter of, uh, and and director of Spirit of the Season. Says uh, Zack Snyder was created in a lab by a team of scientists who set out to create the perfect director for Frank Miller's 300 and they did their job too well. (laughs) Uh, And to be clear, that doesn't necessarily mean 300 is objectively good. It just means that if our if your goal is to adapt 300 for the screen, Zack Snyder is objectively the best person for that very specific single job. And as
0: a result, he is often the worst person for any other job. Except Robin, hear me out. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> you've got Skeletor there. You've got He-Man. You've got Man-at-Arms. They're all very muscly. You've got like the saturated tones. You've got Castle Gray Skull in the background. Battle Cat. He's riding Battle Cat. Can you picture it in your mind right now?
2: The ridiculous, like, you know, the, the, we were talking about the scene at the beginning of this movie where she's pushing a plow in front of a, a green screen Saturn. That actually would work for... Yeah. whatever He-Man world is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Eternia. Yeah. yeah it Eternia, seems like, it you. seems like Eternia is yeah. kind of like an open book in terms of like what's going on there. And, the, and the, the, uh, it's a, it's a very wide place that has all sorts of ty- different types of, uh, uh what am I thinking of
0: environments, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can do whatever you want. Can have a lot of fun with Orco. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with this. You guys, <laughs> well, <laughs>
2: Josh Scar of Talking Smack had a great comment, but I want to take this opportunity to let you know you should check out Josh's podcast, Talking Smack, Superhero Movies, Animation, Comics, uh, specifically a recent episode about superhero fatigue where me and Scott were guests. We talk about stuff. Scott and I were guests. Grammar? Yes, not Mean Scott. <laughs> yeah, mean, <laughs> mean, mean Scott was on a different podcast. and I'm never going back to that one. <laughs> uh, Josh says, Snyder is an amazing visualist. He'd have, he'd have won an Academy Award for cinematography if he dedicated himself to that role, but he aspired to become an edgelord director, and that had some really good hits, Dawn of the Dead, 300, but was given too much freedom with his DC project and has now become a menace to the nerd community. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the fact that he's already teasing a Snyder cut out of Rebel Moon is just him playing to his cult-like fan base. Yeah pretty crass to try to do the primus for a director's cut and primus for a part two movie nonsense. It's Mm -hmm. gross. Yeah.
1: I, I, you know, in an age of personal branding, I think um, it's real bad for, for directors because it can lead to them attempting to appease um, the very narrow fan base that they generate that like their, their, their most fervent fan base and try to appeal to them because those are the people who are probably speaking to him most through social media. So that's what he thinks by and large people want from him. Right. So yeah, I don't know it's, it's maybe not the greatest creative
2: environment to be in. Uh, Aaron comments guy likes to put <laughs> guy likes to put dead babies and sexual assault. In most of his movies to imply sad or bad. And I would kind of like to throw the chair at him. <laughs> yeah yeah a chair i don't know <laughs> the chair was my uh addition sorry <laughs> a chair out of any chair will do uh, cody says how do i feel about him as a director i feel like whoosh kapow
0: sums him up he's very good at whoosh kapow and that's all you need to be good at uh-huh. to do he-man and the <laughs> masters of the universe
2: or a silent star wars knockoff there you go or a silent He-Man knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dare says, a lot of his recent interviews make him seem like a fine dude and he's got a neat visual flair, but I really struggle to vibe with his movies.
0: You know what? As much as we've kind of dunked on his movies, both now and in the past, I, I will submit <laughs> that... From all of the interview material I've seen of him, Zack Snyder does legitimately seem like just a cool dude who likes movies. Yeah. And that's to his credit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, d- and I agree, like his movies are clearly not for me. Um, and I don't think they have much depth. Uh, they are very pretty, but I uh, like all the power to him. Zack Snyder seems like a nice guy. And yeah. I would probably sit and have a beer with him.
2: Yeah. 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 The, uh, um, Patrick Willems uh Himbo tour video is a great look at uh, Snyder as a guy and his oeuvre. So yeah, he's, he's a, he's a silly goose, but he's not a problem. Yeah. No. Yeah. His
1: fans are
0: maybe
2: a little <laughs> bit of a problem.
0: <laughs> S- yeah. So some of his, fa- he's got, yeah. he's got a certain fan base that.
1: Yeah. I mean, on yeah. the, on the toxicity level, they're not Gamergate <laughs> <laughs> toxic. You know what I mean? They're like they're just, Yeah. Maybe a little bit of a nuisance.
2: And Richie commented, although it's getting some not so good reviews, I really hope that it turns out to be a lot of fun and a hit with people. The world needs some more big budget, original sci-fi epic films. And having another one be a massive flop is not going to do us any favors getting
0: more made. Uh, yeah, that's you know, valid. I I agree with Richie on this point. I'm, I'm happy that Zack Snyder took a big swing on this. I will say that. Um, and, and tried to like cobble together some ideas from different things and, and put his own stamp on a big sci-fi epic. I, I do have respect for that. Whether or not we like the finished product, whether or not we're happy with the contrived Snyder cut nonsense, I'm, I'm legit pleased that someone's trying to make something new in science fiction. I'm always happy for that. Um, and I don't know that this one's gonna, gonna hurt the chances of other big sci-fi movies being made because Dune is also coming out. And Dune part one was a huge hit and Dune part two is like wildly anticipated. And if it knocks it out of the park too, we're going to be seeing sci-fi epics for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not too worried about sci-fi as a movie genre right now. Um, and I don't think that one Zack Snyder dud is going to necessarily (laughs) hurt that. Kill
2: the concept of
0: science fiction.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Greg, how would this one stack up against the creator or Scott, if you've seen the creator as well, I just, uh, I,
0: you know, I, I I'll be honest, I haven't seen it yet. but yeah, I know Greg right. has. That's why
2: I'm asking Yeah, well, I was asking Greg, but I didn't want to leave you out just in case. I yeah, I mean The Creator is a far
1: better film. Um I, I don't think they're really close. Um I, I quite like The Creator. Um it has its it has its flaws, but um, uh, usually with science fiction, um, I'm able to forgive more than, uh, than other genres. So, uh, maybe that's part of it, but, uh, I had a really good time with it and I thought it had a, a pretty decent emotional core and, um, talk about visual, like visually amazing. Like it's, it's probably one of the, the most, the best, one of the best looking movies of the year and has some of the most convincing CGI I have seen in anything ever.
2: Oh yeah, yeah! I'm excited to check that one out. Um, but we had to watch this first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that concludes our episode on Rebel Moon colon. Hang on, I gotta go back up to Rebel <laughs> Moon colon part one dash A Child of Fire.
1: That's what I was thinking because, like, when I when I started doing the show notes, like, I, I honestly couldn't remember what the fuck the subtitle was,
2: and I was, <laughs> and then when I read it, I was like, that is so lame. I actually feel a little silly. I. Cause I saw that it was called a child of fire, like during the beginning thing. And we spend so much time with that little girl who of ev- or like young woman, sorry, young woman who eventually gets almost assaulted. And she's got this bucket of water that she like gives to the space Nazis. Mm-hmm. And then later she's sitting by a river with the robot talking about uh, the, the, the myth and whatever. And I'm like, Oh, is is Cora the child of fire, and this girl is gonna be like the water daughter or something? Because she's everything she had done, we had seen with that, and she was at a well every time. Everything with that that character was water based, and when I assumed she was gonna be one of the people joining the adventuring party, I was like, oh, she's gonna be water. She's, Someone she's else our waterbender. Be yeah, uh, and then that character gets left behind, so I was very wrong on that. But I, <laughs> yeah, just. Seemed funny that yeah, there was a character who is strongly water-based uh, in the Child of Fire movie. Mm. Well, I mean, we, there is a part two and they're going back to that planet. So who knows? Fair enough. Um, and uh, we'll be back. Speaking of going back, we will be back with a new episode in the new year. Uh, Happy new year to all of you. Uh, uh, see you on the other side. Hope you're having a great holiday season. And I hope as you've got some downtime, some time to yourself or perhaps just looking at your phone, well avoiding conversation with your family you could follow us on social media at i have some notes on x at i have some notes pod on instagram facebook.com slash i have some notes or best of all find us on the discord server uh anywhere that we have links to things we will have a link to the discord server come get in on the conversation it's a lot of fun or at the very least subscribe rate and review on your podcast app of choice
0: There's one other place you can subscribe and that is on patreon.com slash I have some notes because we are entirely crowdfunded at this point. And uh, it definitely helps us keep the lights on and keep us uh, rolling in pod uh, when you uh, throw us a couple bucks. So if you have a couple bucks to throw, pitch in this holiday season.
1: Yeah, uh, and as, as Liam mentioned, we're going to be back in the new year. Uh, our first episode will be covering our favorite movies of 2023, which is an episode that I look forward to every year. Not only because we actually get to talk about good movies, which is great, um, but uh, you know, it's also a great opportunity to hear um, what my two colleagues are, are uh, watching and. Get, gives me some great ideas for for what I can watch throughout twenty twenty four. So,
2: yeah, uh, tune yeah, into that. Yeah. Until then, I'm Liam Kreswick.
1: I'm Scotty Bourgeois. I'm Great Beaver. Keep watching the skies for the Rebel Moon.